The Daily Rios for Tuesday, May 21st, 2013. The Tower, Episode 9, The Trigon War. This is from April 23rd of 2011. This is the final Tower episode that was released out into the wild, which means next week will be the Tower Episode 10, an episode that was recorded in 2011 but never released. And even I don't remember exactly what was talked about, so we'll find out next week. Today's episode, Episode 9, wraps up the Trigon story that has been building since Issue 1 and the 16-page preview. I do a review of two new Teen Titans issues, Issues 5 and 6. Before that, I go over some Titans news, talk about finally owning the very first Teen Titans issue from 1966, and also look at some feedback. So if you've been playing along, here you go, the wrap-up to the Trigon story that kicked off Marv Wolfman and George Perez and company's new Teen Titans. Enjoy. Comic Geek Speak presents The Tower, Episode 9, The Trigon War. And welcome back to the show. On today's episode, I do some Titans news. I take a look at New Teen Titans issues 5 and 6. And I read a little bit of feedback. All this and a little bit more on today's episode of The Tower. And welcome to the show. This is your host, Peter Rios. Yes, it has been a while in fact, the last episode I put out was in 2010, December 31st, 2010. So, yeah, it's been a while, but I'm back. And we are here to talk Titans, Titans news, new Teen Titans, and some other things. So let's jump right into the Titans news. First off, if you haven't heard, solicited in previews this month, the new Teen Titans omnibus Volume 1, $75, scheduled to ship August of 2011, so this is a pre-solicit. It is a hardcover, 464 pages. It'll collect the 16-page preview from DC Comics Presents, issue 26, plus the first 16 issues of New Teen Titans. So what we have here feels like DC's major push to finally collect this uh, landmark series. Now, there have been archives. There were the New Teen Titans archives that were out, but archives are really expensive. They're $50. Um, I'm looking here at the New Teen Titans archives, volume four, which was the last one that they did. And that collects issues uh, 21 through 27 and the annual. So that's only eight issues, one of them which is oversized. Which is not a lot, and that's so. In two hundred, you know, for two hundred bucks, uh, you you would only get up to issue twenty seven. Now, for the omnibus, which is seventy five dollars for one hundred fifty bucks, we should get close to around, I would say, oh, I don't know, maybe thirty issues. Uh, you know, so you're saving it fifty bucks with the with the omnibus. Um, and the reason I say close to 30 is because they might want to include the four-issue Tales of the New Teen Titans 
miniseries that covered the origins of Starfire, Cyborg, Raven, and Changeling. Uh, this, you know, I, I'm fairly certain I'm going to be getting this, uh, especially with my DCBS discount, um, which I think they have it up for like 50% or, or something crazy like that, which is awesome. Uh, and, you know, if they go the full New Teen Titans run, I don't know. I don't know where they'll stop. I don't know if they'll go all the way up to the wedding. Will they go all the way up to, New? you know, um, beyond the wedding? Um, will they include some of the Baxter stuff? How? how it seems like the sky's the limit with this. And uh, the only thing I can I can kind of say is is those later issues, you know, especially in the 30s and, and, and the 20s, 20s, 30s, 40s of the, of the first run, um, they're not expensive. They're not expensive to get at all. This first volume, you know, issue one I've seen for twenty bucks. Uh, issue two I've seen for some outrageous prices. Sometimes the uh, first appearance of Deathstroke. So you could spend close to seventy five bucks, maybe trying to get the first sixteen issues and, and and the preview in DC Comics presents twenty six. I can understand that, but later volumes at seventy five a pop. And who knows how long it'll take them to reprint all of that. Uh, you know, this series could go up to $100 a pop if it, say, it takes another year or two. But, you know, I shouldn't complain. It's out there. I can only hope they can start to do a soft cover trade line for, for this series. Um, this is this is a lot of money to try to get people into a series that is 30 years old. Maybe Maybe people will – maybe they'll jump on board. So we'll have to see. Uh, maybe it's a first step. Maybe, um, you know, maybe some of it has to do with how much money they have to pay Marvel Wolfman and George Paris. I have no idea. It is out there. Uh, New Teen Titans Omnibus Volume 1. So, uh, yeah, that that should be interesting. Now, again, it's not coming out until August, so it'll be a while until I get it in my greedy little hands and start to use it to compare um, that reproduction with the original issues that I've been using. But, um, you know, we'll we'll keep a watch and... and See what happens. In other Titans news, New Teen Titans Games hardcover is once again resolicited as well. And this is scheduled to ship in September now. Now, this solicitation won't come out until the May previews. Um, but um, there it is. New Teen Titans Games hardcover back, quote-unquote, on track. I... Pre-ordered the first time it was around. I don't know if I'm going to pre-order it again because it's one of those, you know, I believe it when it's on the shelf. I want it. I want to get it. It's it's back. It's out. They're trying, I guess. So, um, you know, here's hoping. Here's hoping. Uh, 2499, 144 pages is an original graphic novel. I want to see it. I really do. But, uh, you know, we will see what happens. Also, if you don't know about Pacesetter, the George Perez magazine that is put together by Anthony Lawrence, uh, issue 11, which is its most recent issue, is a look at the New Teen Titans, the 30th anniversary of the New Teen Titans. It has contributors such as Ron Mars, Joe Prado, Marv Wolfman, Romeo Tangle, Jamal Igel, JT Kroll, Phil Jimenez, Dan Jurgens, Paul Levitz. It's a must-have for any Perez fan. It is $12.95. And I'll post a link up in the show notes or in the forum uh, for anyone who wants to order it. Or you can uh, look at george-perez.com um, 
that fan site has a ton of information, and I'm sure they'll have it, you know, right there on one of the front pages. So check out the Pace Setter magazine; it is awesome. And the most recent issue is a look at New Teen Titans. So very cool, and it looks like it's uh, got a cover on there of an image I haven't ever seen before. It might be a commission by Perez himself, but um, uh, looks pretty cool. So I, I'm a big fan of that magazine. I've I've collected most of them to date. And they are, if you're a Perez fan, this is a must-have because there's some really cool stuff in there, including commissions that you don't see from other artists, um, some original artwork, and uh, some really cool articles. So check that out. And to continue on with the uh, Titans collectible segment I seem to be doing right now, um, CGS is doing their 2011 convention tour, and our first convention was the Emerald City Comic Con. And at that convention, I was fortunate enough to finally get my hands on Teen Titans number one. This is the original number one from uh, cover date of 1966. Got it for 25 bucks. Uh, the retailer that I got it from uh, was having a sale. And it was originally marked at 45 and there was another copy that was marked at $80, probably of a nicer quality. So I grabbed the $45 one and uh, uh, was talking to the, the retailer and, um, uh, you know, we got to talking and did an interview for the show, for CGS show, and he marked it down to 25 So I have in my hands, finally, issue number one of the original Teen Titans series. And I have a, a number of those issues. I'm only missing maybe about... Uh, 15 or so maybe a little bit more of that of that first run um but i've held off getting the first issue because i've seen it for 75 dollars i've seen it for 80 dollars i've seen it for more than that and i didn't need a uh, a pristine copy i just needed a copy and the 25 dollar one is perfectly fine it's not beat up it's not mint but it's a perfect perfectly fine copy of a story that I've never read before. I've held off reading that first issue because I wanted to read it in its original format. Call that the collector and me or whatever. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure everybody has their personal quirks when it comes to the collection. Um, you know, I have, I have the two Teen Titan showcases sitting here in the CGS studio that I have uh, yet to really crack open. Um, and I have a lot of those issues. I just like to read from the original issues at times, especially during this show, because it has color. You know, showcases don't have color, um, has letter columns, has ads. So when I finally decide to dip into the Teen Titans run of the late 60s and 70s, uh, I will be using those original issues. So I still need to find more of those issues before I can start on that. But I, I see them out there. I see them out there pretty frequently, actually, at, at reasonable prices. So I think I'm going to start making that my new mission to try to get those. But yes, I finally own Teen Titans number one after how many years of reading Titans. And I was really excited to get it. And it's one of those moments like, yes, and, you know, and I'll always remember where I got it and how I got it. Uh, so, you know, that was a lot of fun. So I don't know if anybody else, uh, if anybody else has that kind of thing you know with titans or any other uh, series that you know was always maybe one thing that you always wanted you always wanted to get you knew it was a a hole in your collection um and maybe you held off getting it for one reason or another or you just never found it um but this was one of them and uh, uh so you know i have it and i'm really excited and lastly real quick before we get to the meat of this episode just some feedback from the forum on episode eight uh, from Thorell. He says, 
regarding the episode itself, it's great to hear you bring in both the Superboy and Red Robin series into this. They're both fantastic, and as a, as a longtime Superboy fan, I'm loving it. Once again, the synopsis of the Titan series is greatly appreciated, and I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the latest Teen Titans issue. Paul French said, I just wanted to mention that I just kind of love that they brought Red Star back in issue 18 of Red Robin. He first appeared in Teen Titans 18, then faded into Limbo, to be brought back doing some dental work on Kid Flash in New Teen Titans 18. It's a neat little thematic continuity. I know the New Teen Titans appearance was intentional. I wonder if Nichieza did it in that particular issue of Red Robin for that same reason, or if it's just one of those little coincidences. Paul, I I like to think they're... uh, uh, they knew what they were doing because that is kind of interesting. Teen Titans 18, first appearance of Red Star. New Teen Titans 18, he's into the Wolfman Perez issues. And then Red Robin 18, very cool. Nightwing J posted that he has made it through the previous seven episodes over the course of the past week and he's loving the podcast. So Nightwing, thanks for the uh, commitment there. That's awesome. Uh, and he also put a link out to the New Teen Titans Omnibus. This was back in January, so uh, you know this was uh, at least hinted at for a while. Uh, and that was the first time I saw that they were actually going to do an Omnibus. So uh, thank, thank you, Nightwing, for posting that information. Cajun Sean says, There have been two trades of Red Robin released by the time Episode 8 was re- recorded. Uh, the Grail and Red Robin Collision probably making reference to the fact that maybe I wanted to get caught up on Red Robin. Um, Here's one from JD74. I've read the first three issues of Superboy, and I think it's an okay book. Nothing special. It does feel very paint-by-numbers, if you ask me, and kind of slow-moving. Having read issue three not that long ago, my opinion of the book is dropping slightly. The coloring on the characters is kind of weird. The colorist uses too much red to highlight the character's skin for my taste, and the way the artist draws teeth is a bit weird. I also felt that Superboy looked a little feminine in certain panels. I really want to like this book a lot more than I do, but I can say that a Superboy Kid Flash race has me excited, which uh, that issue has come out since uh, the last recording of The Tower. Uh, so there you go. Just a, a short little splattering uh, feedback from episode eight. Uh, one more here. Nightheart says, I do wish that more time w- would be spent every episode on the 1980 run, either an issue analysis or how current stuff relates to events in the Wolfman Perez run. And Nightheart, you're going to get your wish doubly so because this episode will focus on two issues of New Teen Titans instead of one. Um, so I read feedback concerning titles like Red Robin and Superboy and the current Titan series and the current Teen Titan series, but I'm not going to do any uh, reviews on the current stuff. I'm actually going to save that for a later episode, maybe even the next episode. What I'm going to do in the next upcoming episodes is just sort of play catch-up. It's the reason why I'm doing two episodes of the New Teen Titans in this issue, because I want to just get the Trigon War story out of the way and move along into the new Teen Titans run because uh, we're starting to get into those issues where this series really starts to gel and become the series that it will be forever known as, uh, forever known for, I should say. And then in one of the next episodes, I'm going to do a whole episode just on Young Justice and the cartoon and, and as well as the comic book and maybe throw in Tiny Titans in there as well, which I haven't done to date Another upcoming episode, we'll take a look at Titans, the current series, uh, maybe Teen Titans as well. 
And then a separate episode will take a look at all these sort of miscellaneous titles like Superboy, uh, Red Robin. I've been toying with starting to pick up Batgirl, even though she's not necessarily a Titan. But I might dip into that. And uh, I might have mentioned this um, earlier in this show or maybe CGS that my local comic shop guy, Oliver at Southfield Comics, he had loaned me his copy of the classic volume one of the New Warriors from Marvel. So suddenly this podcast, not only is it about Titans, not only is it about Perez, not only is it uh, still going to be about some of the titles or some of the concepts that I hinted at way back in that introductory episode and episode number one, but it may, it feels like it's turning into a teen hero podcast for some reason or another. Um, now, this doesn't mean I'm suddenly going to, you know, go back and read issues of Spider Man or Ultimate Spider Man. Um, I'm not going to be doing, I'm not going to cover, um, you know, power pack all of a sudden, but, uh, you know, it just, there's some things that are, that I'm reading right now that I'm actually really interested to talk about. And, uh, you know, it just all happens to be sort of Titans related or somewhere along that line. I even picked up some issues of young justice, um, that I was, that, you know, I don't really have a lot of that series, but I was just picking that up just because, you know, it's kind of fitting all in here with the cartoon and everything. So, so that's what you're going to get. Coming up in the next couple episodes, uh, you're going to get a lot of catch-up episodes, and they might be shorter than normal, but uh, they're going to be high-focused, and I'm going to try to burn through and catch up on a lot of my current comics reading. I'm having a blast reading them, so I, and I want to talk about them, and I know some of you want to hear about them. So let's move on and talk about New Teen Titans issues 5 and 6. Greed. Envy, lust, wrath. My sin is pride. It was a gift from my father, the demon Trigon. I have fought this evil all my life. I found a new family, the Titans, and war. They stand with me against Trigon and his cult of blood, for Brother Blood will never rest with Trigon's energy on this planet. Trigon will rise, and just as surely, we will be there to meet him. So this is what everything has been moving towards. These final two issues... Five and six, New Teen Titans, cover date March and April of 1981. The previous four issues and the 16 page preview have all been gearing up for this final sh showdown with Trigon the Terrible and the New Teen Titans with Raven in the middle. What I'm going to do is sort of lay out the first four issues again. Just those parts that dealt with Raven and Trigon and the Titans, um, but I can I, I want to preface all of this by you know sort of saying that uh, you know if I had to give my little rating of these two issues, it really felt like number five was <laughs> a fill-in, obviously in terms of art because Kurt Swan is on the art, not George Perez, but also in the story as well. I was really surprised at how that this issue just seemed to go one step forward, three steps back, and then it would go one more step forward and then four steps back. And 
uh, felt like a placeholder almost uh, until we headed into issue six, which really brought things together. It started off a little slow, but it by the end really brought everything together, especially all the things that Wolfman was setting up until that point with the relationships between Raven and the, the new Teen Titans. It worked. It worked and it, it felt kind of exciting and uh, it was interesting to see it all come together. What I did today, right before I recorded this episode, was I sat down and just read issues one through six. Just read it all straight through. This is the first time I've read issues five and six in a, in years. I don't even remember the last time I read these two issues. But I've read issues one through four frequently because I did recordings on them. So I, I had read those before, you know, frequently, uh, or at least currently. Uh, but issues five and six haven't read them in a while, so yeah, the you know number five we'll get to that. Number six we'll get to that as well. But let me just lay out some things that happen in issues one through four once again for anybody who maybe hasn't heard those episodes, early episodes, or you know was. This is also just sort of a way for me to collect my own thoughts as well on the book, and and on this storyline. So issue one, and again I'm just going to focus on the stuff that Raven says dealing with Trigon, dealing with the formation of the Titans and things like that. So from issue one on page uh, number five, we get the first sort of nod about, you know, what this first storyline is all about. Dick Grayson is having a dream, a dream very similar to DC Comics presents issue 26, the contents of that issue. And in pops Raven, and she says, there are unknown forces at work, forces which demand that a new Teen Titans be formed. I invaded your dreams only so that you may come to know me and to know that when at last I appeared before you, it was to seek your aid. And then at the end of that issue, on page 25, she says to the collected Titans members, You were not assembled simply for this mission, my friends. Indeed, even now the menace is growing, one which only your powers can hope to overcome. So that was the premise, right? This is the setup that we get, was that for some reason, all these characters were brought together. Raven needed them for a mission, all right? So that's that's sort of what we get in that first issue. Then we go to issue two, and on page 11, we get this interlude with Raven in some kind of, you know, demonic limbo, and she's pleading, listen to me, you must hear me out at least this once. I've risked my life coming here where no human can long survive. I've come to beg your forgiveness. The fates have separated us too long already, but now there is a chance. And she's speaking to this set of eyes that says, no, I do not forgive. And he, the eyes strike out at her and she's hurled away. And she finds sanctuary at the home of Wally West, Kid Flash, who just happens to run into his home at that point and sees her lying on his bed. And then she quickly disappears. And then on page 23, she pops up into the battle between the New Teen Titans and Deathstroke and the Ravager. And the Titans say, you know, where have you been? And she says, in a place beyond imagining, learning that the reason for the Titans' recreation has finally come to birth. Soon we will be needed elsewhere. I cannot have you fight some meaningless battle now. So we're to take that, that scene, that interlude that she had earlier is some kind of menace, right? Some kind of menace, some kind of powerful menace in an image of eyes locked inside of a pentagram and obviously very demonic. So um, this is whoever this is, 
We don't know yet, but whoever that is, that's who the Titans are formed to beat. So that uh, that's about as, as much information as we get up to issue two. Then things really start to kick, kick off on in uh, issue three. The Titans are just kind of hanging out at Donna Troy's apart- apartment, listening to Starfire talk about her home world, and in pops Raven once again. My friends, I have need of you. There is an emergency. And what that emergency is, we find out a few pages later, is that there's a team that has been formed called the Fearsome Five. But why would she want the Titans to fight them? We don't know that yet. But then a few pages later, after the Titans get their butts handed to them by the Fearsome Five, she pops back into that demonic limbo-esque area, and she screams up to the heavens, Those were the Five, weren't they? Don't dare deny it, Trigon. You're controlling them. Why won't you answer me, Trigon? Can it be you fear me or fear the group I've assembled to fight you? What now, Trigon? Another attack, or is this just to scare me away? Whichever, I won't let you do it. I can't help stop you dead. Therefore, I'll take my leave before your bolt of destruction can reach me. Uh, goodbye for now, Trigon, but we will meet again and soon on the field of battle. So the, now we learn that the Fearsome Five is wrapped up in all of this as well. And next in this issue, the team has assembled in their newly gifted Titan's Tower from some mysterious stranger. And Raven pops in one more time. She says, we have a mission elsewhere. Even now our foes prepare to strike. And the Titans are tired of it. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We need explanation. So she says, all right, here then is the truth. Uh, You will know why this world is now imperiled. And she goes on to actually lay out, uh, you know, a little bit of what has been going on. She says there is some kind of prophecy. She was in a trance. She started to see visions of a, a being known as Trigon the Terrible. Uh, who had already, you know, destroyed a universe prior to this. And in this vision, she saw one of his champions, uh, Goron, being set free by the Justice League of America. And in that battle, they would be destroyed. And because the Justice League would be killed, Trigon was able to come to our Earth and destroy it. And then as some kind of, like, afterimage, she gets an insight into who whoever the fearsome five are. And Robin even says, you're saying there's a link between those five and some other dimensional demon? She says, information has been given to me, Richard. Those five want us to fight the heroes I saw in my vision. Somehow I sense it is in our interest and the interest of the world to do as those villains wish. We must not only battle the Justice League, but we must defeat them as well. Personally, this is where it gets a little confusing for me. Um... On the next page, we actually learn that Simon of this Fearsome Five, just the previous day, just a day before, was a, he was a scientist who was piercing uh, the barriers between dimensions and was struck by these set of eyes, hint, hint, and uh, I say, you know, Rise, you are now in the power of Trigon the Terrible. And it was up to uh, Simon to put a hurt on, on the Justice League and the Titans. So... Different sides are starting to form and and rush to the middle. Uh, And that's what issue four will be about. But one more little thing here from issue number three. Raven and Kid Flash are talking, and Kid Flash zooms away. And she says, perhaps now, as Trigon makes his final move, it is time to reveal the whole truth. So even still, she has yet to really reveal all, all that she knows. And the issue ends after the Titans have been defeated once again by the Fearsome Five with Raven saying, 
Even though they once scorned me, I must again visit the orbiting satellite headquarters of the Justice League of America. And that takes us to issue four. The Justice League are hot on the heels of these three sorcerers who control what they call the Necroma Force. They believe that there's a great evil uh, surrounding them. So while they battle the Justice League, Raven actually pops up and she tells them, you know, no, you must let the sorcerers do what they need to do. They're not listening. She goes to Azeroth and she confronts her mother. First time we've seen her mother in issue four, as we talked about in one of the previous episodes. Again, this is this kind of where it gets all kind of confusing. I'm trying to do this not only for you guys, but for myself as well. She tries to get her mother and the people of Azeroth to help her to try to stop Trigon, but they say no. They banish her back to the tower. The Titans don't remember their battle with the Fearsome Five, and Raven just freaks out, and, and she can't understand what's going on. She finally decides to reveal the truth about Trigon. We get his origin story in that issue. We actually see him in this issue as drawn by Perez. And she says, and now because of the Justice League, Trigon will be able to bridge the gulf between dimensions and do to us what he's done to all the others, which makes the Titans freak out. And they say, you know, we've got to destroy the Justice League because even though they don't remember their fight with the Fearsome Five, the Fearsome Five remembers the fight. And Simon has implanted in them some impulses to go and defeat the Justice League of America. And he says here they at the proper moment, they will indeed destroy the Justice League for us. And Raven even says, as they fly away, curse me for a fool. That is why the Fearsome Five freed them. They've turned the Titans into mind-controlled assassins. So they're going after the Justice League. But Raven had said earlier in one of the previous issues that there was a vision that the Justice League freed Goron and that would in turn free Trigon so that the Titans had to go and stop the Justice League. So they were already on a path to try and stop the Justice League, but got intercepted by going after the Fearsome Five instead. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's all kind of strange, but anyway, they eventually all wind up back where the sorcerers were, uh, the Titans, Raven, the Justice League, and we finally realize that the sorcerers are trying to prevent Trigon from coming into our universe. The Justice League don't really know this. They're not accepting it. It doesn't matter because Trigon forces his way in anyway, and the Titans yell at the Justice League about that. But then Zatanna turns around and says, yeah, well, Raven's got some evil in her. And she made Kid Flash love him so that he would be on the team. And Raven tries to plead with them. Uh, Your power was one I desperately needed. Please understand. Please forgive me. I created these new Teen Titans to stand beside me. Uh, Trigon has to be has to be stopped. Uh, she says, you know, she's pleading, please don't go, please don't go. So that's how issue four ended where, you know, the Titans were off. They no longer trusted Raven. The Justice League are out of the picture. Trigon is free. And he says he's going to set Goron onto our world. So that leaves us to issue five and six. Like a raven, I am an omen of darkness. Through me, Brother Blood has unleashed a dark and brutal evil onto this plane. I can no longer deny my fear that nothing, not even the Titans or our allies, can stop the demon Trigon from rising. He is an evil that has destroyed 10,000 worlds. And we are next, for this monster Trigon is my father. New Teen Titans number 5, cover date March of 1981, a story called Trigon Lives. 
by Marv Wolfman, Kurt Swan, Romeo Tango, Ben Oda Litter, and Adrian Roy Colorist. Yes, this is a fill-in issue. George Perez is not in this issue as it's described in the letter column in the back. It says here, Summer Vacations played havoc with our already bursting deadlines, and though Marv Wolfman just managed to squeak in and on time to dialogue this issue, George Perez was caught with his deadlines down in the wilds of Colorado. So Kurt Swan was called in to help out at the last minute and did so without even having seen the issue before it. So that's kind of kooky. Here's the little synopsis from the official Teen Titans Index on number five. Despite their displeasure with her methods, the Titans rally to help Raven defeat Goron, Trigon's advance warrior. She then reveals her origins as Trigon's daughter by an Earth woman, while the demon materializes on Earth and begins to wreak havoc. Finally, after Trigon has easily defeated the Titans, Raven agrees to accompany Trigon and rule at his side, but only if he will spare the Earth. Trigon agrees, and the two vanish. That's the short of it. The long of it is this comes right on the heels of issue four, and the Titans are arguing about, you know, what they just learned about Raven. She comes back to them. Or actually, she sends her soul self back to them and says, you know, look, I'm, I'm fighting for my life. Please help me out. And they go and fight Goron, and they manage to take him down, uh, you know, after a while. Now, the Titans seem to think that that was Trigon. They thought he was rather easy to defeat. But nope, it's not. It is uh, uh, just his advance guard. And here comes Trigon uh, in a pretty cool sequence. And it's in this sequence that we learn that Trigon is indeed Raven's father. So it's the first time we learn that as readers. Simon actually shows up again. And Trigon says to him, I gave you your powers to aid me in breaching the dimensions to destroy the sorcerers who sought to destroy me. Instead, you use those powers to save those mystic dolts. Only my own superior power let me prevail. Now that, I have no idea what he's talking about. Because in the previous issue, Trigon like blasted the rock that the sorcerers were standing on. Simon wasn't even around. Uh, He had put a mental command into the Titans to go and defeat the Justice League. uh, And then had sent the Justice League to the Titans and to the sorcerers when they were trying to stop Trigon. So I'm, I'm really a little confused about that. Obviously, somebody, anybody out there, you know, if you're reading along, you know, try to make head, heads or tails of all this. So then we get a sequence where Raven actually explains to the Titans once again what had gone on. She had gone to the Justice League, but they sensed an evil with, within her, so they cast her out. So then she says, uh, I had to find others to join me, and through my empathic senses, I learned of the U6 uh, each with the specific abilities I needed to defeat Trigon before he tr- destroys us. And that's something that will come into play in the final issue. Trigon is uh, slowly destroying Manhattan. The Titans try to go up against him, but you know they're powerless against him. Raven tries once again to try to get Arella and the priests of Azeroth to help her, but they said no. But it doesn't matter because Trigon has come to them. And then she brings the Titans once more to help try to battle Trigon. Once again, they can't do anything. And in the end, uh, Raven finally says, all right, fine. Uh, Cease your fighting. She has a proposition. 
If she wants him to have her rule at his side, she will do that, but only in his dimension. Take me, Trigon, but leave this dimension and its teeming worlds alone. And he agrees, and he disappears with Raven. So it was a lot of back and forth, right? They, they confronted Trigon, and he, they were defeated, but he didn't kill him. And then they confronted him again, and he wasn't. They didn't kill him. He didn't kill them again. It. The reason I, I felt this issue was kind of just kind of paced weirdly and just felt, you know, too back and forth um, was because, you know, you have this powerful being. We're told in issue four that he destroyed his home planet. He killed all the people around him. He he uh, enslaved his entire dimension by the time he was 30. This is this is a god. This is a demonic god with incredible powers and he's just toying with the titans and maybe there is something to be said about that you know the titans are mean nothing to him they're like gnats but you would think these two battles that they would just get obliterated and they're not and it kind of is a frustrating issue because of that and raven just keeps bouncing back and forth to her people to titans to the justice league to her people titans um so other than the ending that we'll get in issue six, I really just don't understand the, the, the middle part. I don't understand the whole why the Titans were enslaved by the Fearsome Five. You know, what were they going to do? I, I guess they were originally going to go after the Justice League at Raven's request and try to tell them, you know, this is what's going on. Why they didn't tell that to them. And I know they tried to. And the Zatanna said that Raven was evil. But, um, you know, just it's, a lot of it is just kind of, ah, Frustrating and confusing. Now, we get some answers in this issue five. So let me go through uh, a little bit more and just sort of talk about uh, the book itself. Um, first off, the cover, Goron, him on the cover, he looks a lot more monstrous than he actually does inside. Uh, Kurt Swan kind of makes him a little bit more like a just a grotesque human, whereas Perez draws him on the cover like a like a big monster. So... Um, that's, you know, again, I, I know Kurt Swan was brought in as a fill-in, but it's kind of unfortunate that Perez wasn't able to do this issue. So on page two, uh, we get a little blurb here when Raven is once again yelling at Trigon. Uh, you know your powers prevented me from telling them the whole truth. So, you know, one little in-house explanation as to why Raven never really sat the Titans down and said, look, this is the deal. I'm his daughter. We need to stop him, yada, yada. Uh, so good, I guess good on Marv Wolfman for that. It kind of made up for the four issues of this sort of slow reveal that she had been doing. When she comes to the Titans initially to try to get them to go fight Goron or help her with Goron, uh, Kid Flash at this point, you know, he just learned that she's been controlling him and making him fall in love with her to join the Titans. It's something he didn't want. He didn't want to go back into superheroes. Uh, into the superhero business he wanted to be in college and then he's thrust upon this whole new team uh by this woman that he thinks he loves and then finds out it's all a sham right so he's like at his wits end in fact he starts crying um and uh he comes to the realization that he cares i care i still care i can't get her out of my mind uh so i have to go i have to go help her and it's a scene where uh the other titans had left already and cyborg stays behind um, to try to get him out of this funk. Uh, the dialogue even says, ever since cruel fate robbed Cyborg of his human body and turned him into this man machine, 
He has known how terribly self-created pity can torture the mind, and perhaps that is why he has stayed behind, to keep a newfound friend from sinking ever deeper into his own self-made hell. Just a little bit of a character-building thing for Cyborg, uh, especially because a couple pages late pages earlier where Kid Flash is just going on a rampage against Robin and being used. Um, Cyborg steps in and says, look, you know, Batboy's not the enemy. And Kid Flash is, he's just going bonkers. And he's like, who cares? I'm quitting. And Cyborg says, okay, so some witch gets you all hot and bothered, then splits. Ain't no reason to go crying in your milk. Uh, somebody's got to tell you to act your age and not your sneaker size. I mean, Cyborg really like kind of, Puts Kid Flash in his place where his friends do not. You know, Donna's just looking on. Robin's trying to talk to him. Changeling's not going to do anything. Starfire is, you know, too new to the whole situation. So it was a really interesting moment where Cyborg steps in and kind of gets in the middle of this long friendship that's been between Kid Flash and Robin. And, you know, Cyborg's not afraid to step in there. He is probably the oldest one of the Titans. So uh, I was like, yeah, good for you, Cyborg's. Kid Flash stopped being a weenie. When they actually defeat Goron, they do it in a way that utilizes all the Titans, uh, showing that this team is slowly coming together. We'll get more of that in next issue. Um, They even start talking about plans of attack as well while they're fighting Goron. So they've, you know, obviously Robin in his very Batman-esque trained mind is starting to really see what this team can do and and is putting them together into a little fighting unit. So then when we actually get to see Trigon for the first time uh, confronting the Titans, it's on one hand, it's a cool sequence. It's kind of him coming out of these dark clouds, uh, and he's colored all red and gold. The scene, I should say, is colored red and gold, and it's juxtaposed against uh, Raven pleading, saying, no, go back, go back. And then we get the splash page of, of Trigon, you know, his red skin, he's got antlers, got four eyes, uh, he's almost half naked, he's got, you know, metal um, thigh-high boots, um, you know, it's a, it's a cool design, it, it looks better when Perez does it, but it, it's not a bad splash page, and um, the only problem is, is it's sort of anticlimactic because we've already seen Trigon when Raven was telling the Titans about his origin story in last issue, in issue four. So it's a little anticlimactic because we've seen the design of the character. We've just never seen him sort of in present uh, storyline. You know, it's always been in flashbacks. So still a cool sequence. Um, he's obviously, you know, meant to look like the de- the devil. Uh, but, um, you know, there he is. So he's finally on Earth. He's a little bit taller than all the Titans. Uh, he's not a giant, but he is... Uh, a little bit taller is about, you know, I don't know, seven, eight feet tall. I did have to laugh on one of his word balloons. He says here, uh, Raven says, you'll face resistance here. Unlike any you've ever encountered before. And he says, resistance is futile to one who is the destroyer of all that exists. Resistance is futile. So makes me wonder, you know, it's such a Star Trek Borg thing. Resistance is futile. Where that actually comes from, that phrase, you know, it has to, I, guess, I assume somewhere in literature, but uh, here it is in a 1981 comic book. And I was like, oh, that's cool. As I said, we did, we do learn that uh, it is, Trigon is Raven's father. We also learn, he says here, you are my only child to have ever survived. Now, that is something that will come into play, you know, decades after this. But as of this point, uh, the 
the way the mythos works is that Raven is Trigon's only surviving heir. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll learn decades later that that'll change. We also learned that, it, and if you didn't know to this point, that the evil inside Raven was a manifestation of Trigon himself because she is the daughter of a demon. In that scene with Trigon versus Simon, uh, he's disappointed in Simon, so he scatters his atoms throughout the light stream. He, he makes him experience a painful eternity by scattering. And that's kind of feels to me like foreshadowing, right? If he's spreading him out through the light stream and one of Simon's co-partners in the Fearsome Five is a guy who can control light, makes you seem makes it seem like we're going to be seeing him again very soon. And I know that's the case, but I'm just trying to you know, lay it out for future issues. And then Trigon actually kills Goron in a bit of dialogue where he says, uh, I shall be merciful, whereas Simon shall survive a painful eternity. You, I grant, a sudden painless death. So I get the sudden death thing, but a painless death? Why? You know, okay, the the guy just blinks out of existence, you know, so that's actually kind of cool. If you're going to kill me that quick, dude, great. I'm glad you kill me, you know, without any pain. Awesome. So that's kind of a strange thing. And right before he actually first appears to Raven a couple pages earlier, he does strike out at the Titans team and then he sends them back to the tower. So it's not even that he hurt them. He just sent them away. Again, I don't know why an all-powerful being who wants to destroy the world our universe would not destroy the people that have the most chance chances of destroying him. It's a little strange Wolfman. I, I, I can't argue. I, I can't see why, why that would be. I, I mean, I know why you don't want to kill your team in your team book, but it just feels like something else should have happened. Maybe. I don't know. So when Trigon actually goes about to destroy Manhattan, the Titans talk once more, learn a bit more about from Raven and, you know, in previous issues, every time Raven popped up or disappeared, it was always Robin that was like right on her. Like, you know, tell us who you are. What what What's going on? Why do you always keep going in and out? Why do you never help fight? And Kid Flash was always the one that would say, you know, Robin, get off her back. Let her go. But in this instance, it's actually reversed where, you know, Kid Flash is the one that's angry about it. Uh, and, and it's Robin that's stepping up and saying, look, you know, she has to have her reasons. So all I, I know I pointed that out before that there was always a little tension between those two concerning Robin, and now it actually has flipped. Uh, so there's a nice little bit of storytelling continuity there. When they rush off to go confront Trigon, Robin says here, you always carry me, Coriander. I've got to get some sort of vehicle. And she says, why? I love having you near me, Dick. Uh, and Again, just another little... It's almost like Wolfman playing around with logistical things, right? Like, why would she always carry them? Why wouldn't they try to figure out a way to have Robin fly? Since the majority of these, of these characters can fly, Cyborg can jump, uh, Kid Flash can run fast, Robin is really the only one that can't do anything. And, and it's just a funny bit of dialogue because we will see soon uh, a vehicle for Robin to fly with. So I thought that was kind of cool. Another little bit of, uh, of a cyborg moment. He he kind of hangs behind. He's a little nervous. He's not used to being the superhero. He's not used used to these cosmic level threats. And Changeling says, "Hey, you know what? It's a state secret. We're all scared sometimes." Uh, and uh, that's a nice little 
character moment between the two of them, considering they're going to become really good friends. Uh, that was uh, a nice thing that Wolfman does there to try to bond, make those two bond. So whereas Changeling has been annoying to Cyborg in previous issues, and Changeling probably latched onto Cyborg because maybe he reminds Cy, um, he reminds him of Robot Man, uh, and now here's something where Cyborg can sort of use Changeling for his experience. I mean, Changeling has been a superhero for a long time. He was with the Doom Patrol as a kid, and then he was in the first Teen Titans. Now he's in this new Teen Titans. So even though he's about 16 here, he probably has been a superhero since like, you know, 13, 14. And there's a way for Cyborg to connect with Changeling. He can he can help share that experience and learn from, from Changeling about it. So I thought that was cool. That was a really uh, a great little moment there. So as the Titans are rushing towards Trigon, we get uh, a six-panel little breakdown on page 15 of issue 5. Uh, each, me- each member gets their own panel, and it's Wolfman setting the scene, giving readers once again a little bit of an update of who these people are, what they're, how they're feeling, what they're feeling, not only in this situation, but as, as, as far as Titans themselves go. You know, he says, uh, her name is Princess Coriander, now called Starfire, and she sh- and she soars ahead without concern. She seems to thrive on battle, right? Like, so that's something about her character that, that Marvel from plays with. And then with Robin, uh, Robin finds his thoughts are on tactics and planning. His friends are powerful, but they are undisciplined. He worries about what is to come. All right, so there's Robin being obsessive about the team. Kid Flash races ahead. He is torn with doubt. He wanted to live a normal life as Wally West, but his powers have always prevented him from finding the peace he desperately desires. A little bit of a Kid Flash thing that will be played out for the next couple of years. Uh, Victor, too, Victor Stone, too, has doubts. He, he had hated being turned into the cyborg monstrosity, but now he worries that he is beginning to enjoy the thousand new sensations he feels. So this is, you know, a man who has been called a freak and been looked at as a freak. And now he's, as he said earlier, you know, I'm just one of the freaks now. And maybe he's starting to revel in his powers. Uh, Donna Troy is also calm as she glides ahead. She does not relish battle, but she is still ready to meet any menace. Uh, This, you know, Wonder Girl has always been described as the perfect titan Sometimes that means some readers don't like her because she's a little too bland or vanilla, but, uh, you know, it's just who she is, and and I appreciate that. Uh, And then Garfield Logan finds a painful knot forming deep within his stomach. Despite his fanciful facade, he frets about his place in the impending battle. And I wrote in my notes, so do I. (laughs) If all these people were brought together by Raven to defeat the Trigon, what the hell's change I'm going to do. You know, I, I couldn't see it right away, but we'll learn about what he can do later. And then the issue just plays out with them battling the Titans, going back to Azeroth, uh, where Raven sacrifices herself and says, all right, fine, I'll be, I'll rule by your side, uh, if only, but only if we go to your dimension. And, and that leaves everybody stupefied. You know, Starfire is like, no way, don't do it. I was a slave for six years. I know what kind of terror that's going to bring you, what kind of degradation. Don't do it. She's freaking out. She doesn't understand why nobody is fighting Trigon again. Um, Kid Flash is screaming, you know, don't go. I don't want you away from me. I want you here. I want you to know how much I love. And he gets cut off. So he's uh, obviously very much in love with her, even beyond the mental push that Raven gave him to join the team. 
and in a kind of like a little bit of a silver age bit of dialogue here as they as raven disappears robin says i always accused her of running from battle lord she's probably the bravest of her of us all so that's issue five i guess it was necessary if if that's where wolfman wanted it to end with the self-sacrifice of raven we did learn a little bit more about azarath and arella Azeroth had come to Earth over nine centuries ago, so they actually were Earth people, and they came to this dimension to escape evil. And there was just this reinforcement of why Raven picked these six particular characters to help her in her battle against Trigon. So, it, you know, it, I guess it's not a horrible issue, but um, reading it, I, I, I felt very... I felt like it was plodding along. So... So then we jump to issue six. What hope can a mere child have of defeating her all-powerful father? You may have created me. But you were never my father. All right, issue six. Story called Last Kill. Uh, Wolfman... Perez is back with uh, inker Pablo Marcos this time, letterer John Costanza, Costanza, and colorist Jerry Serpy. And the synopsis for this issue, Raven is aghast at the horrors perpetrated by Trigon on his homeworld and learns that he, is, he has no intention of abandoning his invasion of Earth despite his promise to her. While unable to persuade the disciples of Temple Azeroth to aid them against Trigon, the Titans are able to have them transport the superheroes to Trigon's world to battle him anew. The Titans are again easily bested by the demon, but Arella, Raven's mother, helps her to escape Trigon's influence and to free her teammates. By combining their magical and scientific powers, the Titans are able to banish Trigon through a dimensional doorway. Arella sacrifices herself as eternal guardian of the gateway against Trigon's escape. So this issue really does feel like a really nice con- conclusion to this story and to the previous five issues. Um, after I got done reading this, uh, it, it felt like all the pieces uh, were there. Uh, it uh, even though there's, there's some things that still didn't quite make sense. It you know with Simon and the Justice League and all that. Um, this was a, a nice conclusion to this story and sets the stage for uh, a team book um, that, that that'll move away from like the shadow of these first six issues. You know, it, it'll it'll start to find its own new new path. Wolfman and company have told the story that they wanted to tell to really cement the Titans um, to make them a, a really uh, a strong team to make them have a reason for being together and, you know, trial by fire, right? Like, you know, they go through the fire and they come out of it stronger than ever. So uh, I really dug this issue and it was nice to see Perez back, um, you know, on this issue, drawing, drawing Trigon. So as the synopsis says, we open up on Trigon's world in another dimension where his guards are trying to get the, you know, the, the people that, Trigon rules to to cheer for him, to sing songs for him. And this little girl looks up and says, Mother, he is he the master? He's a monster. Which means, you know, hey, 
Trigon, he's, he's got to show these people their place. You know, he's their God. He says here, I demand your total obedience. You are to be taught that I am your God, that I hold your very life in my hand. So he starts to fry this girl from the inside. But Raven's there and she she uses her empathic powers and, and takes the pain from the little girl into Raven herself, saving her. And then Trigon says, you know, uh-uh, sorry, no one can dispute my authority and just kills the young girl, just, you know, makes her combust. He's an evil dude, right? If you didn't know it already, he, he just killed a little girl. He's an evil dude. He takes Raven to her keep. We we learn a little bit more just how diabolical he is because there's a, another planet that Trigon's forces has been invading. And even though the queen submits to him... He just he decides to destroy the planet anyway and just blows it up in a very uh, Star Wars, Darth Vader, Empire, Alderaan moment. He just blows it up. And Raven is just beside herself. And then he says, uh, Xanthia was so fragile a world. I wonder if the Earth will be e- destroyed so easily. And she freaks out. She says, wait a minute. You promised to leave Earth alone. And he says, yep, I lied. He calls her far too trusting. And, uh, you know, he obviously went back on his word. He's still going to destroy the Titans and the the Earth anyway. So we go back to where the Titans were on Azeroth. And they're fed up with uh, those people because they just just won't do anything to help Raven, to help stop Trigon. And in this scene, we learn about Arella. We actually learn her origin about how 20 years ago when she was 18... She was alone in search for answers. She was an outcast, and she got herself mixed into this uh, satanic cult. And they used her to bring about a demon, and this demon was really good-looking with red hair, and they got married and spent a night together, and then this demon in human form revealed himself to be Trigon, and he put her through all this misery and cast her back to Earth uh, pregnant with with his child. And she finds... She's just about ready to kill herself, and that's when the people of Azeroth find her and take her to their home world, and it's there that uh, Raven is born. But Raven also was always sort of like an outcast because she had this inner demon within her. Um, you know, she's a daughter of a demon, and she always never really was comfortable with the uh, with her surroundings. One of the, the monks says, you know, it was inevitable that one day Raven would leave us. And once you leave the Temple Azeroth, you can never return. And the Titans are just, you know, they're like besides themselves. And they're like, fine, if you're not going to help us, at least show us the way. Try to point us the way. And the monk agrees. <clears throat> and he says, we will open the doorway to the unknown. You must do the rest. Um, so before we get to that, let's go back and talk about some things here. First off, the first time we see the Titans in this issue looking up uh, into the sky where Raven and Trigon disappeared, uh, Wonder Girl has this really cool little bit of dialogue. She says, um, in response to Cyborg saying, maybe we just don't measure up, she says, no, we're good, very good, and there's no shame in losing to someone stronger. But we've got to regroup, rethink our strategy, find the best ways to channel our strengths. A little bit of her Amazon training kicking in there. I thought that was... That was cool that that was coming from Wonder Girl, that she, uh, um, you know, maybe Robin might have been thinking this, but uh, she's thinking, no way. You know, look, this is just a minor setback. We can do this. She, uh, that, that, that was a cool little character moment there. 
we learn that uh, Trigon has a couple things here in his a couple couple abilities. Uh, when he was frying that girl, it was called the Death Stare. When he destroyed the planet, uh, he has a gun called the uh, Cosmic Cannon. And he has a sidekick named Gruul, G-R-O-O-L. These are things that just, uh, you know, the next time we see Trigon, just none, we, we don't see any of this. We don't see the world. We don't see these other powers. We just see this big freaking demonic dude that is terrorizing the world. On one hand, it kind of makes him feel like, uh, you know, he's... It kind of grounds him a little bit that he's, you know, a ruler of this world. Um, and I guess the reason I'm saying this is because the first time I read a Trigon story, it was the in the Baxter run. And then I went back and started to collect all these older issues. And when I finally read these issues, it was like, oh, God, you know, he, he was kind of just like a normal demonic dude as opposed to a big, scary demonic dude. But he's still pretty badass. Uh, so if we're to take... What he says in some of those pages where he said he was trying to pierce the barriers of the dimensions for about 20 years, and then we we get Arella's story where she said 20 years ago when I was 18 and trying to find myself, uh, and she gets mixed in with this cult. So that makes me think, okay, 20 years ago, how long did it take her for the cult to find her? Okay, say maybe, maybe it was 19 years ago and then, you know, spend nine months uh, pregnant. Uh, that would put Raven at about 18, if not even 19 years old. So maybe, well, I guess we'll say 18, maybe 17 even, which I guess kind of makes sense. I, I guess I maybe thought of her as a, a little bit younger, not 16, I, I guess maybe 17, uh, changing is supposed to be the youngest of the group, but having her at 17, 18 makes sense. Now, if she's supposed to be around like 1920, that feels a little weird, but I guess, uh, you know, I guess I'll have to accept that now. We don't learn it in this issue. In fact, I don't think we learn it for decades to come. But this satanic cult that called up Trigon could be the cult of Brother Blood. Brother Blood becomes a villain of the Titans in, in later issues. And not only Brother Blood, but his cult. But he wasn't wrapped up into Trigon. That was something that wouldn't be revealed until decades later under the Jeff Johns run, actually. And in, and in some of those um, bumper breaks that I played earlier, which are from uh, the DCU online game, you, you heard Raven talk about Trigon and talk about brother blood and how they were all mixed together. So that is something that will come about later. Uh, Obviously that wasn't something that was set up to this day, unless that was, unless it was something Marv Wolfman told Johns that he always wanted to do. I don't know. But the Brother Blood and the cult of Brother Blood and Trigon have been around, around for a long time under Marv Wolfman, and he never connected them. So right now they're just a satanic cult that uh, got Arella to, you know, have sex with his demon so that they, they he could have an heir. In her story, there is one little bit of dialogue here. She says, you must understand my mother abandoned me at birth, not even knowing who my father was. And that was something I never really thought about before. Who are Arella's parents? Much in the same way of who is um, who who is Trigon's father, because we're told that he kills his mother. We're told that he kills everybody around him. So technically, that could be his father. But what if his father is still alive what if trigon's father is alive that would be raven's grandfather so that would be really interesting and then having arella's side of the family uh what about them as well so little bits of 
Titans history that uh, has been left untapped. So the Titans get the, the people of Azeroth to help them. And the monk says, you know, I'll show you the doorway in Doorway to the Unknown, not to be confused with Doorway to Nightmare, which was a DC title that uh, starred uh, Madame Xanadu. Um, and they find this world, this crazy limbo, yet another limbo of all these floating steps. Now, the cool thing here is that Arella actually goes with them. She says, you know what? I do still believe in my people. I do still believe in my beliefs, but this is my daughter. And even though I know that I'll never be accepted back, I, I have to do this. So she goes with the Titans to go search for Raven. So they finally arrive at Trigon's homeworld and they're going, you know, they're nervous and they're going to, they're going to scout things out. Kid Flash runs away uh, to do some uh, reconnaissance and runs into this giant dog, Trigon's dog named, of course, Fang. He's like this purple dog. And they, the Titans say they want Raven. And he's like, no way. And he captures the the Titans. But it's all a uh, diversion because Arella manages to find Raven. And once they reunite, Trigon is trying to find Arella. And he's, his winged hordes are just blasting the entire planet, killing people left and right. Um, he's destroying everything to find them. And, and they finally say, all right, we're here. Uh, Raven says, I'll, I'll turn myself over to you if you just stop the senseless slaughter. So Trigon, he does stop, and he tries to fight Arella, but she manages to hold him off for a little bit. Again, there's like, Trigon's supposed to be all-powerful, but then all these people can kind of stand up to him. It's crazy. Raven runs off and finds the Titans, frees them, and finally reveals to them how they can help defeat Trigon. So he's getting ready to zap our world. He's up on this sort of um, perch with... Uh, the sky just going nuts around him and he's ready to blast our world. And Raven and Robin come up with this plan. Uh, and this is all, this has all been alluded to in previous issues, right? She needed these specific Titans, these specific heroes to fight her father. So how does it all link together? All right. So first off, and she's already had this conversation with Robin, she needed Robin because of his tactical skills. She needed Robin because he was the one that was going to bring this team together and he is the one that coaches all of them through this last final stage of the game. Uh, Cyborg and Starfire just have so much power within them. Just raw sort of brute power. Robin says, uh, we've got to link our powers. Cyborg, your internal power supply, can it be hooked in with another power source? And he says, yes, I'm like a living power battery. And he says, great, then you'll link with Starfire, focus her power through you as well. So they're all kind of linked together with all these... Uh, little cables and things, so it's a pretty cool visual. Kid Flash has had his powers boosted by Arella and Raven, and he is, like all Flashes can do, if uh, he spins fast enough, if he creates a vibrational uh, pattern within himself, he's able to go you know, between worlds. So he says here, uh, I have to start spinning, increase my inner vibrational rate, to do what they want, I've got to move faster than I've ever moved before. And what he's doing is he's creating a portal, an entranceway to a netherverse. Um, Arella says here, Flash wields his increased super speed to rip open the doorway to the netherverse. Wonder Girl uses her magic lasso uh, to ensnare Trigon. 
but not only to ensnare him, but also uh, because it works very much in the way that Wonder Woman's magic lasso works. Uh, it'll help sap Trigon's will. So she wraps him up into that uh, into the magic lasso. So he's all wrapped up. The Netherverse is just about the portal is just about ready to to open. And Robin says, uh, "All right, it's time." Cyborg and Starfire let off a blast, and they push Trigon. It hits him so hard that the Force sends him right into the portal. Meanwhile, Arella and Raven have been trying to use their powers to sort of uh, keep Trigon at bay, like, you know, make him, um, make him, put him in anguish, uh, sap his strength. So while he's getting ready to disappear into this portal, Arella actually takes off after him and says, there was never an, any other way, my friends, I could not return to Azeroth. Thus, let my sacrifice be for the good of all. And as Raven explains, my mother guards the bridge as she must for all eternity. She who believed in peace must now be forever at war, lest Trigon be permitted to ever be free again. So just when mother and daughter reunited, mother is taken away and Raven is crying and being held by Kid Flash, which I thought was cool. And that's how it ends. It ends with a narrative box saying, and somewhere in a dimension beyond time and space, a war begins that will never see an end. So the story has come to an end, but uh, you know it's left on a on a very disappointing note or a very sour note. So those couple pages in this last sequence is really only about what one, two, three, four pages. It's only four pages long. Um, really seemed to wrap things up quite nicely, and and it was paced well. And Wolfman was really able to use uh, the team dynamics to his strengths. In a way that he'll keep doing that, he managed to really manages to really find interesting ways to make the Titans work um, in ways that some other team bo- books really don't. You know, you'll get brute force and you'll get some powers thrown out, but you won't see them really working together, even though they say they're working together. But in this one, they really did. Now, so what was Changeling's role in all of this? I bet you're asking. So Changeling is is meant to keep Fang at bay. He's meant to, you know, make sure that he, Fang doesn't interfere with Trigon's plans. It's a little bit of a wah-wah moment. Um, you know, th- is that something that Raven really needed him for? It was just Fang. It was just, I mean, a, a, Trigon is supposed to have all these armies and all these winged demons and all these uh, minions. Uh, so why is it just Fang that is fighting the Titans? I found that to be a little kind of a, a little bit of a letdown. Um, you almost wish Wolfman uh, in, in the previous issue wouldn't have had Trigon kill Goron. So maybe Goron could have returned and Changeling would have fought him instead. Or maybe Changeling would have held the army at bay, you know, with his power somehow um, pushing his powers to the limits and, 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 um, helping to to make sure they don't interfere. So in terms of of defensive powers, I guess that works. But just him fighting Fang, and you don't really even see it. You just see the outcome of it. It's kind of weak. So that I didn't buy too much, but, uh, you know, whatever. I guess Wolfman just had to make it work. And that's it. That's what brings the this uh, first story arc to an end. Uh, the Titans are formed, and they're going to stay together, and all the truth is out about Raven. Uh, and the Titans fought valiantly. They defeated Trigon. They, uh, you know, didn't come out of it unbruised or anything like that. 
but that's a as far as a major villain in your first six issues that's huge that is that's a huge a huge get for them uh and it continues the whole trend of villains or adversaries in the lives of the titans being related to the titans and we'll see more of that in the in the issues to come a couple things about the letter columns i forgot to mention in issue five that the letter column actually gets named titans tower and uh, they credit it with a a gentleman named daryl hill of cincinnati ohio so um the tower Titans Tower letter column is officially named in issue five. And in issue six, somebody brings up the question. Um, why did it say epilogue instead of prologue on the top of page two in the first issue? And if you go back to the first time I talked about issue one in one of our the episodes here in the tower, I said I said that same thing. Why does it open up and say epilogue? Well, this is what they explain it as they say here in the letter column. The reason is that Marv felt the beginning of Titans number one was actually the end of Coriander's old life. Hence, the epilogue tag. Uh, sure. Okay. You could even maybe even get real meta with it and say it's an epilogue to the end of uh, the Teen Titans as we knew it before that. Right? This is the start of a whole new thing. So, I forget what, exactly what I said in... in episode when i talked about that first issue but uh uh, i guess i'll have to accept their answer so i didn't talk too much about the artwork in issue six this is perez with pablos marcos on inks Uh, pablo is a way of softening perez a little bit that um is okay I, i don't quite like like it as much as romeo tangle um but it's not bad i you know trigon looks cool he looks like the way I would think a Perez Trigon would look. Um, the flashback sequence of Arel's origin is nicely paced. That doorway into the unknown is just cool and wonky and very DC. And not the last time we'll see that, actually. The battle sequences are cool. And coming off the Kurt Swan book, where Kurt Swan used, you know, barely four or five panels per page. I mean, some of these pages in this issue, this one has uh, seven this other one has nine. So Paris is really cramming in a lot here. Um, the action sequence at the end, it's its not all big splash pages. It's all these little character moments, little tiny little vignettes. It's probably not as strong as maybe it could have been with with a Paris that was had a little more under his belt in terms of the New Teen Titans, but it's good. It's good artwork, and and, and it works. They still do the thing here where... Raven's hair is is really black. There's no blue highlights. Robin has blue highlights. Wonder Girl has blue highlights. Arella has blue highlights. But Raven's hair is just black. It is that dark. So that's kind of cool. And on a lot of this issue, she doesn't wear her hood. So ever since we've seen her face with that little gem on her forehead, uh, Perez has, has been drawing her without her hood. Um, Kid Flash still has brown hair. Let's see, how's Perez doing with the heights? Um, you know, it's starting to get there. It's still not quite there yet about who's taller than who and uh, the visual languages of these characters, the way they move. Again, because of the actions, there wasn't much action sequence. I mean, I guess it's an action sequence, but, you know, you really didn't see their bodies move around too much in this. Um, he does a great thing in that doorway into the unknown part 
where you get the real, a real strong sense that it is windy. He just blows their hair around. Their capes are blowing all around. Um, even the guys, their hair is just all over the place. So that's a, that's a cool little attention to detail moment there. And he, he manages to find ways to get everybody into the same panel. There's a sequence here on page 17 where they, right after they, they are up against Fang and they go up against, they stand in front of Trigon and, and uh, he's like taunting them and they're like, that's it. We're coming for you. And, and it's kid, it's a uh, Robin in the front pointing his finger and holding up a fist and all the other Titans are in the back with these scowls on their faces. And, and uh, it's cool. You know, he, he manages to get them all in there. So there you go. If you're reading along, let me know what you thought of the end of that uh, story arc. And, uh, you know, in a couple episodes, I will jump on to issue seven and uh, we will move right along into a whole new uh, Titans uh, story arc and and push forward. And uh, we'll start to see where these these Titans are going. All right. Lastly, uh, these two cover dates, March of 1981 and cover date of April 1981. Some things that were, that were going on elsewhere in the DC Universe. Robin appeared in DC Comics Presents issue 31. That was cover date of March of 1981. Uh, Detective hit issue 500. Wolfman was doing work on Adventure Comics 479 because that would kick off the whole Dial H for Hero uh, part of that title. He also was working on Batman 333 and Green Lantern 138. Uh, And he also did work in Superman Family, issue 206. This is all cover date March 81. Mystery in Space would come to an end with issue 117. It had originally ended with 109. Uh, It was canceled and then uh, put on hold for 15 years and then brought back with issue 110, but only managed to to last, you know, seven more issues. And... uh, Let's see, cover date of April of 1981, Wolfman would also continue his work on all those titles. So he did uh, Adventure Comics 480, Batman 334, and Green Lantern 139. Uh, Maybe perhaps one of the reasons why Romeo Tangle wasn't working on issue 6 of New Teen Titans is because he was the penciler on House of Mystery 291, cover date of April of 81. He also penciled Super Friends 42, Super Friends 43, and did work in Unexpected 209 and Weird War Tales 98. So he was he was busy. I actually want to try and maybe look at some of his artwork back then, see what it looked like. Um, I know later Romeo Tangle work, after his collaboration with Perez for years and years, he had kind of a Perez feel. It was softer, wasn't quite as dynamic, wasn't quite as Perez-y, but... I wonder what his artwork looked like now in these in this early collaboration. So there you go, just a little bit of a smattering of what else was going on in the DC Universe, uh, not only with uh, just their regular line, but also with the creative team. And to close out this episode, I just want to give a shout-out to two artists, uh, two creators, who, when I was in Emerald City Comic Con, I got uh, several Donna Troy commissions. One of them was from Adriana Ferguson, and the other one from was from Kristen Van Dam. And they are the co-hosts of the Super Future Friends podcast that takes a look at the Legion of Superheroes. Um, I might have talked about them before in, in this uh, podcast. Um, it's a really fantastic podcast. It's really funny. It doesn't update frequently en- enough for me, 
but they are really awesome artists in their own right. And I each had them do Donna Troy. Uh, and uh, Adriana did Donna Troy in her red jumpsuit. And Kristen did Donna Troy in her Starfield jumpsuit. And really just did some, they both did some amazing, amazing work. So I, uh, I'm going to post them up on the forum so you guys, uh, guys and gals can see that. Um, and if you want to check out their work, go to kristenvandam.artworkfolio.com and you can go to adrianaferguson.artworkfolio.com. Uh, you can also go to superfuturefriends.com and that's where you can find links to not only their artwork, their blog, but also their comics that they do. Check them out. They, their work is really fantastic and I'll put all these links in the show notes. All right, thanks for letting me catch up on New Teen Titans. That'll put that first Trigon story arc to bed. As I said earlier in the episode, I'll be back to talk about some current Titans comics. I'll also catch up on Young Justice. And other than that, come to Super Show, and if not, enjoy your spring. Enjoy your spring.